Welcome back to the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to make us part of your listening experience. We're starting an Out of the Vault series featuring sessions from the 2018 Pastors Conference that TCSC hosts every year. You're gonna hear messages from Jim Cimbala, who's written numerous books and pastors the famous Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, as well as from Pastor Gary Wilkerson and our very own Ron Brown. Today, we're tuning into the third session from Pastor Gary Wilkerson. Listen in, be blessed, and thank you for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. Well, I, I had prepared to uh, speak on the uh, archaeological significance of the Amorites. <laughs> and, uh, after, after this morning's session, I just went back and scribbled some notes here in my Bible about Jesus. <laughs> and I think I've told, have you ever heard about the little boy in Sunday school class? He, he, the, the Sunday school teacher said, uh, uh, what's brown and furry and has a big bushy tail? The little boy raised his hand and goes, well, it sure sounds like a squirrel, but I'm sure the answer is Jesus. <laughs> That's a... Uh, but but uh, yeah, I was, I was so blessed this morning, weren't you? Wasn't that... Yeah. Just, and then, every, time I, every time I hear Pastor Jim, I, I just want to... I don't know, just get closer to Jesus. That, that just so blesses my heart. And it's so wonderful to be here with you, Brother Ron. I uh, just love this brother so much. He's been so important in my life and in my wife's life and in my children's life. Prophetic words and words of encouragement. Um, a, a, a messenger in season. Just uh, he and his wife have blessed us so richly. I wouldn't miss this here, uh, this gathering uh, for the world. It's uh, uh, part of the reason I'm here is to to teach and share my heart with you, and I love you, and I appreciate you coming back, some of you, year after year. Even after you've heard me, you still come back the next year, which surprises me. Uh, 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 but uh, I, I come here also uh, to see the Brown family and just uh, love them so much. Uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys. If, uh, if you've not been here in the past, uh, this is my wife, Kelly. We've been married for uh, Kelly Stan. This is Kelly. And uh, we have been married, believe it or not, coming up now in May 27th, we will be married for 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get older every day and she gets better looking every day. I don't, it just doesn't seem fair at all to, to me. She, she's, she's amazing and I really appreciate you and love you so much, Kelly. We have uh, four children and uh, five grandchildren now. And, um, just seeing them grow up and serve the Lord just so blesses, blesses my heart. Well, let me pray for us and ask Holy Spirit to, to give us uh, words of wisdom, revelation, knowledge, and insight here today. Father God, I, I just thank you for your presence. Oh, Jesus, that if you would, if you would just come and fill this place with your... We, we know, God, uh, theologically, that there's the omnipresence of God. You're everywhere at all times. But Lord, what we're asking for is a sensitivity to the fact that you are here, an awareness of the very real manifest presence of God comes into a place like this. And Father, we've heard sermons and we've sung songs and we've spent much of our life in ministry studying scripture and books and things. And we thank you for all that. We so appreciate it. But we're 
still hungry for more. We want you, Jesus. We want, we want the fullness of your glory and your power. Father, if you could, when John the Baptist was ministering, if you could show up in such a way that the heavens opened and a voice came down and you said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, would you mind saying that to us today? Yes. To brothers and sisters in this room who are weary and who are brokenhearted and who have been, been fighting the good fight and have been accosted by the devil left and right. Everywhere they go, there seems to be trials and tribulations. Would you come now into this place, Holy Spirit, and say to your sweet brothers and sisters, to your children, this is my son, I am well pleased with him. This is my daughter, I am thrilled to be a, a, a father to such a precious one. Thank you, Jesus. We're not precious in our own strength, our own might, or our power, but by your spirit, God, you, you have made us acceptable to you through the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we thank you for that the doorpost of our heart has been, been uh, painted with your blood. And now, Lord, the, the angel of death and every foul spirit just has to pass over because what lives in our home is the spirit of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your spirit. Let's just take a moment to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your life. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for your triumph over every power of hell. Thank you, Jesus, that every enemy bows at your feet. Thank you that you trample the head of the serpent. Thank you, Jesus, for your victory. Thank you for accepting us into the beloved. Thank you for sanctification. Thank you for justification. Thank you for washing, cleansing us. Lord, we were once sinners, but now we are washed. We are cleansed. We are sanctified. We are justified. We are called sons and daughters. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We bless you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. God, we need your presence. We need a visitation from you, God. Lord, just as Pastor Jim was speaking this morning, we're, we're tired of, of uh, strategies and, and, and attempting things in the flesh, God. We want your spirit, Lord, in our life, in our family, in our church, in our ministries, in our city, wherever we go. Spirit, live in, move in, breathe through us. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. How wonderful. How marvelous. And my song shall ever be. How wonderful, how marvelous. My song will ever be. How wonderful, how marvelous is my Savior's love for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, God. You're good. You're good. You're a good, good father. Good, good father. Forgive us, God, for sometimes being suspicious of that and thinking you have done things that are neglectful or harmful or, or, or so difficult for us that we begin to bring a reproach to you by our thoughts. Forgive us, God, and let us have, once again, a fresh revelation that we have a good, good Father. That changes everything. When we know that you're good, it changes everything, God. It changes everything. It changes our joy. It changes our peace. It changes the power that flows through us because we're confident. We can't be confident unless we know you're a good, good Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Jim was speaking from from uh, the gospel there where it was speaking about the man that was lowered down, uh, the, the paralytic and the four friends lowered him. The scripture here talks about a question that Jesus asks in, uh, I'm looking at the same passage except in Luke, in Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, verse 17, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers 
of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that those men showed up from every village in Galilee and Judea as well as Samaria. So everywhere that Jesus went, this religious spirit of, of the, the, the Judaizers would follow him everywhere he goes. That happens a lot of times in our ministry, doesn't it? It seems like there are some people that keep showing up every Sunday that you'd almost rather they didn't show up. And Jesus is, is and it says there that, that, so Jesus faced the same problems we are facing in our churches today. And these men carried the paralyzed man on, on, a, on a mat, and they let him down through the roof. And Jesus asked this profound question that sometimes we skirt over it, we pass it too quickly. He asked a question, he says, which is easier, talking about God as Father, when he prays, what's going to be easier for God to do? What's it easier for Jesus to do? To, to forgive this man's sin, he was a sinner, which is going to be easier, forgive this man's sin or to heal him? Which is easier? There's two things going to happen. Jesus knows what's going to happen. Two things are going to happen. Which is going to be easier for me to do, heal this man or forgive his sin? In Jesus' day, it was almost the opposite of us. They believed healing could take place. They saw Jesus heal. There were other people, even there's historical records of other rabbis who had a healing ministry in, in their day, healing in God's name, in the Father's name. And so healing was something they'd say, yeah, absolutely, we believe in healing. But to forgive sins, no, you, a man can't do that. So their problem was in a church service, so to speak, uh, healing would be something commonplace or regular take place to some degree, uh, but forgiveness would almost never take place. Man could not say to somebody else, your sins are forgiven. Have you noticed how that's changed in our society today? How, how the 21st century church has shifted that around. Now we believe it's very easy for God to forgive sins, but it's kind of difficult for him to heal. If, if I give an invitation at my church for sinners to come to receive Jesus Christ, and let's say 30 people come to the altar to receive Christ, and they pray what we might call a sinner's prayer, myself, my elders, my staff, and almost everybody in my church believes 30 people got saved today. Their sins were forgiven. So we believe that Jesus forgives sins, but he asks this other question, which is easier? And they would say in their generation, first generation church would say it's easier to heal than forgive sins. We in our generation are saying it's easier to forgive sins than it is to heal. So, so we believe strongly in uh, salvation by claiming the name of Jesus, repent of your sins, and you shall be saved. So we, we have a confidence in that, don't we? And if you pray a sinner's prayer with somebody, you believe they got saved. You, if you sin and you ask Jesus to con you confess your sins to him, you repent, you believe Jesus forgives you, right? Yes. But what about this attitude of healing? I want to talk to you uh, this afternoon about the God of miracles. He, he, we, we need to be reminded occasionally that he's the God of miracles. Not, not the God who occasionally, in a sovereign sense, Without our participation, without our knowledge, sometimes he just kind of comes down and might decide to heal somebody or do a miracle here in this circumstance or situation. Particularly if you live in Africa, then he's going to do a lot there. But we're not expecting it in America. We, we, we expect to go on the mission field to see miracles take place. We're not expecting it to see it in the bus station, on the airplane, at the 7-Eleven, at the grocery store, at the at the supermarket. We're not expecting miracles anymore. We're expecting the forgiveness of sins as we should. And I thank God for that. Please don't hear me. Think, don't think I'm diminishing that by any degree. It's actually more important than 
even the miracle part of it. But I, I want to talk to you about the God of miracles because in our generation, what I'm about to uh, try to present to you is that the God of miracles that when Jesus does today supernaturally do a miracle, touch a, uh, and physically heal somebody, that it opens up a man and woman's heart to receive the healing, uh, not only of the body and the mind, but of the heart as well. That forgiveness for many Americans who are hard-hearted, maybe even antagonistic, agnostic, atheistic, turned hardened against God, personally is my understanding from prayer and seeking after God that he's saying to me with all that I can understand is that he's about to open up a door and do new signs and wonders, new miracles through the church, new miracles on the streets, power encounters with people who are, who are hardened towards God. He's about to do that so that it'll be easy again to forgive sins because people are going to say, that's God, he's powerful, forgive my sins. That he'll marry these two things together because both will be important. Um, here in California, John MacArthur did a conference. Many of you are familiar with it called Strange Fire. Have you heard of the Strange Fire Conference? It was a conference that uh, gathered uh, uh, pastors together of a cessationist believing that the gifts have ceased for today. And so it was a conference basically saying the gifts have ceased for today. We want to confirm this through our teaching. And uh, probably thousands of pastors gathered together from all around the world. Uh, several speakers got up and talked about how like, healing is no longer for today. Tongues are no longer for today. Supernatural power of God is no longer for today. And many of us who are from the Pentecostal charismatic ilk, we got a little bit upset at that, to say the least. Um, but here's my problem. My problem is not John MacArthur, because I believe most part he teaches the word of God, and I believe he has a sincere heart, and, and I'd love to le- I'd still learn from him. So I'm not putting him down, but my problem is not so much with him. My problem is more with us who are charismatic Pentecostal who are saying, I can't believe he taught cessationalist doctrine to so many pastors. I can't believe they're teaching today that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, and we're all up in arms that he's teaching that. And the problem is not that he's teaching that. The problem is those who believe in it aren't living it. All right? so, so I have the problem. All right, it's, it's my problem. I'm reading about the God of miracles I am teaching that God still does miracles. I, I, I preach sermons about the God of miracles, but I'm not seeing any miracles. I'm not, I'm, I'm, matter of fact, I'm not even hardly praying for the sick anymore because I'm, I get tired of it. I get tired of... My, my prayer for the sick has been so bad historically that if somebody from my church came and, and they had a cold, not only would they not get healed, I would catch their cold. <laughs> I, and and like and if, and if somebody came and said like man my shoulder hurts I go I'm I gotta pray in faith I'm gonna believe for you but if somebody came up in a wheelchair I'm going like call for the elders of the church because because the pastor doesn't pray for people in wheelchairs because you know because that's just over my pay grade and so you know I, I would I would pray for moderate things. But you know what? I would pray really not expecting a whole lot to happen. Um, and, so, and so, you know, I just, I got, t- I got really frustrated. I got, I got tired. I got, I got, um, I, got uh, I got to this place where I was like, God, this, this is your word. And, and I'm tired of reading the book of Acts and not living the book of Acts. I'm tired of reading the Gospels and seeing Jesus everywhere he went 
sick people got healed. And, and he would just speak words. And then he passed it on to his church and said, all you guys participate in this. Just go and preach the good news to the poor and heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and cleanse the lepers. Freely you have received, so freely you give. And, 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 and I would give, but nothing would come out. I'm giving you my healing touch, and, and nothing happened. I'm... I'm I'm, I'm wanting to share the gospel with somebody on the airplane in the seat next to me, and they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus died for me. Okay, you know what? I'm going to read my newspaper. Uh, and I just go, where's the power? Where, where's the authority? Where, where is the Holy Ghost power in the church today? Where is the fire of the gospel? Where? And so I got to the point last year, about a, almost a year ago, where I was getting desperate with God. Saying, God, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired. Like, here's your word. Here's the book of Acts. And here's the gospel. And here's my life way over here. It, it, they don't look anything alike. When, when I read about your miracle working power, when I read about you healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and I look at my life, and I'm just, I'm preaching sermons. And I'm going to meetings, and I'm having committee meetings, and I'm having elders meetings, and I'm having staff meetings, and I'm having budget meetings, and I'm, I'm reading books about church history and church government, and, and, and it's, right? It's way over there. And I began to pray uh, last spring, God, the first miracle that I need is not to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. The first miracle I need is to recover in here a sense of faith and confidence. Lord, and that, would, you, would you begin to do this work like get it a little bit closer, get this thing and my life a little bit more aligned? Would you begin to pour out your spirit on me? Like you see, promise you would, you pour out your spirit on all flesh, I'm all flesh, pour out your spirit on me because I need you. And he began to do this. He began to do this. So there's a personal testimony. In May of last year, I was in Amman, Jordan. I was doing a pastor's conference. And I got, woke up in the morning, and I went to the first session, and I taught the first session, and the pastors enjoyed it, and they seemed to be blessed, and we prayed for them, and they needed encouragement. Went back to my hotel to take a little bit of a break. Uh, came back to the second session, came back to the hotel to have lunch. Went back to the evening session, the third session of the evening, and did that the second day in a row. And I realized, I am in Amman, Jordan. Do you know how many Christians there are in Amman, Jordan? Like 11? <laughs> no, there's more than that, but that's... <laughs> God's done a good work, but here I am in Amman, Jordan, and I realized I was waking up, passing by the bellmen and, and people that clean the hotel and the people who work at the front desk, and I was getting to the elevator, and there'd be people there. I'd go down, and then a driver would take me there. And at lunch, I would go to a restaurant in the neighborhood, and, and there'd be waiters and, and chefs, and, and then I, I remember I had to pick up a T-shirt and went into a, a store, and there was people there helping us, and I realized I'm passing by all these people and many of them are sick, and most of them have never heard the name Jesus. And Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. Here it is. It's in the word. And, I'm, and, and see, I thought I was obedient, but I was mistaken. I thought I was obedient. He said, go and preach the gospel to everyone. I thought that meant in my church service, because that's the only time I actually preached the gospel. I didn't preach the gospel I didn't preach the gospel on airplanes. I didn't preach the gospel on buses. I didn't preach the gospel on grocery stores. I didn't preach the gospel when I went to the mall. I didn't preach the gospel in my neighborhood. I didn't go preach the gospel when I was working out in the gym when I did it in 1973. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I didn't. 
And, and, and that's, why, that's why the word of God was over here and my life was over here. I, I counted up recently. I preached over 4,000 sermons in my life. And I've probably listened to 12 to 15,000 on, online and used to be cassette tapes. And, uh, you know, and so probably 12 to 15,000 sermons. And I've read probably seven or 800 books in my life. And I, I love to read. And, and just I have all this information. But, but I had no demonstration of the power of the gospel in my life. Now, yeah, no, now I had it on Sunday in, in my church service. Um, I could lead a lot of people to Jesus, almost like I was an evangelist, because every Sunday, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 people get saved. And I would feel like I'm doing the work of an evangelist, but I wasn't doing the work of an evangelist. The person who brought them to my church service, well, I got to preach the sermon, and they came forward, and it was as, somebody was singing, Just As I Am, and I'd go home thinking, man, I led 20 people to Christ this week. And I didn't lead anybody to Christ that week. And I didn't lead anybody to Christ that month. And I didn't lead anybody to Christ that year. I didn't lead anybody to Christ. I would look back at my history. It had been 10 years since I personally led somebody to Jesus. Um, I get paid to be a minister. I get paid to go around the world and talk about Jesus. And all I was doing is going around talking about Jesus to Christian people. And occasionally a non-Christian person would be invited by a Christian and they would come in and maybe get saved in a service. Thank God for that. But I wanted it myself. Does that make sense to you? I wanted it. I wanted to live like Peter lived and John lived and Philip lived. I wanted to be like translated and all of a sudden there's a chariot there, you know, uh, uh, you know whatever. I just want, I wanted to see the works of Jesus being done in my life today. So I got desperate, went back to my hotel that night and I'm on Jordan and said, God's enough. I mean, I love these conferences, and I love these pastors, and I want to minister to them, and I want to be faithful to the calling you've given me, but, but I want to live the gospel, too. I want to live Jesus everywhere I go. I want to be like Christ. You see, when, in this generation, when we think about Christ-likeness, being like Jesus, we usually think of it morally. I want to live good life. I want to be nice to my neighbors. Maybe I'll bring them a meal if they're sick, some chicken noodle soup or something. It's, it's a niceness attitude. But Jesus, and if you read this again, it, it was a whole lot more than nice. It was powerful. It, it, con, it confronted the powers of darkness. It drove demons out. It changed culture. It changed people's lives. It, it changed people's physical bodies. One time, he, he got up in front of a, in the temple, and he said to a man whose hand was withered, he goes, hey, hold out your hand. The guy holds out his hand. And Jesus didn't even say a word. He didn't pray for him. He didn't say, command your hand to be. He just said, hold up your hand. And while he was holding up his hand, his hand got well. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody saw that. And Jesus goes, that's the power. That's the love of my Father. That's to demonstrate. Paul later on said, I don't want to just preach with mere words, but I want a demonstration of power. Not for power's sake, not for miracle's sake, not to start a signs and wonders ministry, not to be known as a miracle worker, but so that the name of Jesus Christ might become known. I want him to be known. And so I knelt on my knees and said, God, I need something. I need, I need this to happen. I need it to happen tonight. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I don't want to go on in ministry if it's just more words, if it's just more impartation of information. And, and so the Lord said, well, what you need is two things. And I said, give them to me, please. He said, the first thing was is a baptism of love. You, you don't go beyond your shyness, your fear of man. You don't take a risk and step out in faith to talk to a stranger 
uh, somebody in the grocery store, somebody at the checkout counter, somebody at the gas station. You don't step out in faith and do what Jesus did, is walking up to a stranger and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. You don't do what the apostles did of going out uh, to the neighborhood two by two and proclaiming the love of Jesus and seeing the miracles take place. You don't do that unless you have love for people. And the reason I was, so my fear of man was stronger than my love for man. And I was, and literally, I am introverted. I am shy. I don't like to talk to strangers. I don't, um, when I'm on an airplane, I like to put the headphones on and like have three books between me and the person next to me. You know, just, just so, and if I really don't want to talk to them, I just tell them I'm a pastor. And then they, and then they're, they'll be totally quiet, right? Yeah. And so, so that's, I'm just built that way. I'm not, I'm not outgoing. I'm not gregarious. I'm not energetic around people. If I get around people for too long, I get exhausted. You guys just tire me out. You know? <laughs> and I get built up by being alone. So, so I was like, God, how am I going to do that? And then I'm also uh, very socially conscious about how we interact. What, what is proper social etiquette? And so you don't talk to people about religion and politics. You don't talk to, you don't walk to, to a stranger and just say, hey, have you heard Jesus loves you? And so the Holy Spirit is saying, you're never going to have this happen. You're never going to see uh, an alignment with what you're hungry for in the word of God unless you have a baptism of love. And secondly, is you need a fresh baptism of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, okay, Lord, give it to me. Now, I grew up in a Pentecostal background, so when I hear the words, receiving the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or receiving a baptism of love, I'm expecting like, you know, bending a hand to touch me and I fall over or I shake or I, you know, fall down and cry and repent for six hours. And I'm here in this hotel room and nothing is absolutely happening. I'm saying, Lord, you said I needed a baptism of love and the fresh baptism of the power of the Holy Spirit, but I'm here in this hotel room and nothing's changed. And he said, yes, it has. Just, just accept it. And I went, Okay. And, and now again, please understand, this is a shy guy, an introvert, who doesn't go up to strangers. I got in the elevator the next morning. I woke up not knowing anything happened. And this guy's in this kind of the Arab chic robe. And I said, hey, did you know that Jesus loves you? And he went like, uh, I don't know anything about that. And then uh, went to a restaurant that day. And uh, the, the girl came and bought water there. And I said, hey, before you go, I just want to tell you that there's a God in heaven who loves you. And he has a son named Christ Jesus who died for your sins. I'm going I can't believe I just said that. This is, this is, a, this is a Muslim girl. She's going to get her brother and kill me. You know, it's like her, her 11 brothers are coming with swords. You know, and, just, and then the waiter came, and, I just, and it was just like, and all of a sudden I thought, oh, that's what that thing with the rivers of living water shall flow out of you. That's what that stuff is. It's, come, it's bubbling out of me. Isn't that amazing that Jesus... Jesus, was, he was not very good at math in this situation because he said, if you'll drink a cup, just take a drink of me, rivers will flow out of you. That math is not good because uh, a drink does not uh, reflect to rivers. But he says, just take a drink of me and you'll see rivers come out of you. He multiplies. We take a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of a baptism of love, a little bit of a fresh touch of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden rivers of living water flow out of us. And, and so... So we just, my wife Kelly and I, we just started like, it was like ministry for the first time in 10 years became fun every day. I mean, like we, we are having the time of our life. 
we, you know what we do when we wake up in the morning? We say, what do you want to do today? I'd say, I got to go to the office. She's got She's going to come to the office with me. We'll meet for lunch. Maybe in the afternoon we'll take a walk. What do you want to do today? Today, when you wake up, every single day we say, what do you want to do today? Exact same answer. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Amen. Amen. What do you want to do today? Matthew 10.8. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely we receive. Freely give. What do you want to do tomorrow? What do you want to do? What do you want to do tomorrow, Kelly? Oh, I kind of like to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons, <laughs> cleanse the lepers. Yeah. We're going to Africa next month. What do you want to do? How about we heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead? Yeah. Uh, tonight I'm going back to the hotel. What do I want to do tonight when I'm at the hotel? There's going to be a waiter there. I'd like to see him healed or her healed and her cleansed and her set free yeah. and him come to know the great, great love of Jesus. Yeah. And so when this thing happened, we just saw this new release of the Spirit of God. And, and it just uh, strange, strange, strange things happen. I was with uh, my friend, most of you, if you were on Teen Challenge a while, know Nikki Cruz. Nikki Cruz is this radical evangelist. He's led over a million people to Jesus. I was having lunch with Nikki recently. And uh, this, this flow of real living waters, this alignment of the Word of God in my life started happening. And the waitress at the restaurant that Nikki and I were eating at, I just began to tell her, like, hey, you know, uh, you just look like you could use a word of encouragement. I got some good news for you today. She said, what's good news? She says that God cares about you. He really, he's interested in your life. She goes, really? And I said, yeah, he's really interested. And, and I said, uh, you know, is there something we could pray for you about? She goes, no, I'm fine. And she came back later and said, you know, actually, would you pray for me? For I have two teenage children. I'm a single mom. And, and I said, yeah, I'd love to pray for you. And, and a single mom like you, you just need to know that that, that Jesus died for your sins, and she's going, oh, that's awesome. Strangely enough, at the end of this little bit of conversation, this banter, every time she'd come bring some more water or whatever, or the dessert, a little bit more of the gospel, and at the end, I could tell she was actually ready to receive Jesus. Now, this is a guy, remember what I said, I had not led anybody personally to Jesus in 10 years. And so here I am, and I'm sitting there, this is just a few weeks after this baptism of love in my life, and, and, I'm, and I'm just saying, would you like to receive Jesus? And she goes, I, I really would. I'm going like, like uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, I'm going like, no way. Like, like, uh, it's like, I, I didn't really think you would say yes. I thought, I'm just, but catch this. She goes, wait a minute. She goes, before you pray for me, I, I want to go get my friend. She works with me because she needs this as well. So, so she brings her friend over and says, now, I, I, we want to pray this prayer about Jesus, but she has pancreatic cancer. She's dying of cancer. Would you pray for her? Okay, here I go again. Like, uh, no, I don't pray for pancreatic cancer. Like, maybe slight melanoma. Like, you know, if you have a little bit, you've been out in the sun too long, maybe we'll go with faith that one. But, but so, so here I am I'm with, with Nikki, and, and we stand up in the middle of the restaurant, we, we, it was, uh, we felt really like, you know, people are looking. And we, but we didn't care. The baptism of love, you, you don't care anymore. You don't care what people think about you. You want to see that. You get so desperate to see this thing become a reality in your life. You stop caring what people think. You, call, you stop caring about social norms. You, you stop caring about the fear of man. You stop caring about what people are going to think of you. And so we, Nikki and I got up and we laid hands on these two girls. And the one girl with pancreatic cancer, she goes, I've never felt anything like this. She was not churched at all. She says, I've never felt anything like this. She goes, matter of fact, I'm dizzy from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. She said, I need to sit down. She started like wobbling. We got her chair. She sat down. We prayed for her. She goes, I feel so much better. 
and we pray for them to receive Christ. My wife and I went back to that same restaurant about two weeks later. She came running up to us with tears in her eyes. She said, I can't believe you left without giving me your phone number or name, but I want to tell you, I went back to the doctor a week later, and they ran a test, and they said, this is so bizarre. There's not an ounce of cancer in my body. It's absolutely gone. Um, okay, so I'm still kind of new at this, right? I'm not healing evangelist Gary Wilkerson, okay? I am theologian, study in my room, reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Gary Wilkerson, okay? I'm not healing evangelist Gary Wilkerson. I'm just not, I'm not that kind of guy. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, those of us who are not that kind of guy become that kind of guy. Because it's not us anyway, it's the Holy Spirit doing his work in us. It's the Spirit's power. Matter of fact, the weaker we are, the stronger he becomes. So he found a really good vessel to be strong in. Because I, I, am, I am weak, I am shy, I'm not an extrovert. And so, well, you know, we just saw her and she just said, man, I'm healed and this Jesus thing is amazing. Just everywhere I go, just a quick few other things just to build your faith a little bit. We were in Bosnia not long ago and I just got this broken heart, this baptism of love over the, the soldiers that had just a horrible conflict in that whole region. It was confusing. They tried to explain the war to me. Like, it took them four days. I still didn't understand it. But I just got a burden in my heart. Lord, some of these people have been through such horrific pain here. And I want, Lord, you've been beginning slightly to put a little bit of alignment in my life to your word. I want to pray for some. And I just asked God, can I pray for a sick soldier? And, and all of a sudden, it's like, I uh, saw this guy in a wheelchair. He had one leg up, or it was this leg, right leg up, in a, holding it up, and his other leg was missing. And, and I saw him coming down the street, and I thought, and you know, you get that thing, okay, God, you give me a baptism of love, and you've called me to, to begin to pray and have faith for hurting people and broken people, and, and I felt like the Lord said, go up and pray for him. And he told me what happened to his leg, and he said his other leg is severely infected. You could see it, it was, he had shorts on. It was, it was red, it was swollen. Uh, to the touch, I touched it, it was burning hot. And he goes, they're probably going to have to cut this leg off as well through the translator who's telling me this. And I said, can I pray for you? And I knelt down in the middle of the street there in, in Bosnia, and I just put a hand on his leg. And I said, just in the name of Jesus, I pray you'd be healed. And all of a sudden, just while I was touching his leg, the heat, it went from heat to cool. It cooled down. He goes, something's happening in my leg. And I said, wow, this is awesome, man. This, this, this thing... You see, I, I didn't believe it was called strange fire, but for my life, it was no fire. You know? it was, and, and so, you know, and, I, and I started to see, God, you're actually still moving in fire. And, and he said, man, my legs, it feels totally different. And, and, and he said, I said, this, Jesus did this. He goes, Jesus? I said, yeah, Jesus did this. And he said, somebody gave me this video a month ago about the, called The Life of Jesus. And he goes, I thought it was make-believe. And you're saying that Jesus was a real person? And, and, and I said, Jesus was real. And Jesus is alive. And here's this Muslim uh, ex-soldier who lost a leg in, the, in a landmine is now praying to Jesus, Amen. seeking Jesus. And, and it's just, for me, you know what it's like? And please forgive me if I'm talking a lot about myself. I'd much rather talk more about the word, but I just want to encourage you uh, because if he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. Because I'm probably the shyest among all of you, all right? And I probably like people a whole lot less than most of you do. And, and yet, yet he's, still, he's using me to love people everywhere I go, every single day, every day, everywhere, everyone. I just, it's like, it's kind of almost ruined my life. 
in a good way. Like, no, seriously, like the other day, I was just, I was sitting at a, a restaurant and I was looking out, there was a glass, plate glass window and people walking by the street in my city and I'm just sitting there with my family and all of a sudden I just start crying. It's just, man, these people are hurting, they're broken, they need Jesus. And we get, the church has to get outside of its four walls. This generation, the millennials and the, the, the younger ones in this, they have so much, listen to this carefully, I'll close with this, they have so much information. They, 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 they don't need us to give them more information. They can Google it. All right? If they have a question about anything in the world, they just get on their phone and they can. And so if you come up and say, please let me give you some more information. What's your information about? It's about my religion. Oh, okay. I know about seven other religions because I've Googled them. So you can tell me about your religion. And if we just tell them about it, it's good. There is power in our words. No question about it. But Jesus realized something that there needs to be not only words, but there has to be a demonstration of his love through power. And this is a generation that's filled with information. It's just filled with information. We're getting it everywhere we go. Just the, the online stuff is just so, just this young generation. And, and so what I'm proposing to you today is that we get filled with a baptism of love, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. We jump into this thing wholeheartedly, and we begin to say, hey, I want to give you the information about Jesus, but there's more than information. There's more than information. There's power. Can I, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And we're seeing, my wife and I, almost every day, everywhere we go, we're seeing people healed. We're seeing it just supernatural. We're seeing breakthroughs. Not long ago, I was at a restaurant. I was getting ready to preach the next morning, and the waitress walks up, and I, and I just, like I said, it was ruining me. I was just, instead of enjoying my meal, I was like, God, you got to break through to her. She just seems hurting. I don't know what, it's, what it is about her. She just seems, and, but no words came out, and I kept trying to, like, you know, trying to find those, like she's pouring water, like, you know, should I say Jesus is the river of living water? Or no, I just, I, uh, There's got to be something I can say to this, this gal, and nothing's happening. Finally, like she's got brought dessert, she's bringing the check, and I'm getting frustrated saying, like, God, I just feel like there's something, but just, Lord, I'm so feeble, I don't even know what to say. I, I'm afraid to ruin the conversation, make her think I'm, a, she's, she's going to think I'm an idiot, and sort of like ask me never to come back to the restaurant. And, so finally, she, she takes my bill, she takes a credit card, she goes back in the kitchen, she's going to process it, and these two words come to mind, um, wounded and lonely. I thought, oh, great, she's going to come back, and I'm going to have to tell her she's wounded and lonely. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to say, Holy Spirit, next, you got anything else? Like, <laughs> uh, and the Lord said, no, just, just, use, just say those two words. And I said, this is going to seem weird, some stranger sitting here at a, a hotel restaurant, but I just want to tell you, I was praying for you this whole meal. And she goes, ah. She said, um, I said, the Lord said for me to tell you, wounded and lonely. And she goes, like, she just, like, she looked shocked. Like, she turned, like, a white, like a ghost. She goes, I can't believe that. She goes, two weeks ago, uh, my husband abused me. He said, she went like this. She said, he broke my collarbone. And I, and I left him, and I've been wounded physically and internally. And the last two weeks, I've been living alone. Um, just in the apartment alone, just, and she said, I've been crying myself to sleep every night for the last two weeks, lonely, lonely, and brokenhearted. I'm going like, wow, I'm glad I said what God told me to say to her. It's like, this is, like, this is cool. And, uh, and, and, and she says, I've been crying myself to sleep every night. And she goes, I remember when I was a little girl, I went to a Catholic church, and they told me about Jesus. And so she said, so I started praying to Jesus, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? Would you, have some, would you show me that you love me? Somehow send me somebody to tell me that, that you love me, that God, that you care for me, that God that I learned about as a child, are you still there? And so, so 
uh, I said, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, tell her this. And I went, oh my gosh, there's more. And, I said, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, uh, tell her that's the, the, her husband that she just left, the broker called him, that's not the only man that's hurt her. And so I said that to her, and she goes like, and she started just bawling, weeping. She goes, yeah, 20 years ago I was divorced from another man who abused me as well. And she was just weeping, and then I went, and the Holy Spirit said, tell her one more thing. And I went, well, what's that, Lord? And he said, tell her that that's not the only man that hurt her. Somebody hurt her when she was a little girl. And she, as soon as I said that to her, she just, she wiped her eyes, took a deep breath, and she walked away from me. She said, that never happened. And I went, oh, man, something was wrong here. She came back about three minutes later, just bawling her eyes out, just weeping, like shaking, weeping, saying, I've never told anybody this, but I was sexually abused when I was six years old. No one's ever known that. No one's ever heard that. No one's ever talked to me about it. And the fact that you would have your God tell me about that totally rocks my world. I got to pray for, for her healing, emotional healing. I got to pray that she would receive Jesus Christ. And uh, it's just, it's amazing. I'm having fun. I'm having, it's like, it's. Uh, please don't hear this the wrong way. I love being here. I love teaching the word to you. I pray that I encourage you. But I have, but, but if you ask me, like, can I be here and preach today? Or can I talk to a waitress about Jesus and see her get healed and saved? I'm going to the waitress, okay? Love you guys, but I'm, I'm going to that waitress. I'm going to that clerk at the store. I'm going to, and just, so again, this morning, just at McDonald's, drive through McDonald's, just I had three seconds because they have the headphones on, just, hey, sweetheart, my wife, I'm going to pray for you today. We want you to know how much Jesus loves you. She simply said, thank you. That's all, but just everywhere we go, let's get the church outside of the church. Let's, the, The, the mission of the church is missing the mission of Jesus. Does that make sense to you? The mission, I'll say it one more time. The mission of the church is missing the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus is meant to be the very fabric of the church. But what's become the fabric of the church is church science, church government, church growth principles, church growth structure, uh, ambitious pastors who want to build a kingdom for themselves. And it's missing the very fabric of Jesus. And what Jesus is doing in my wife and I, he can do in you. For us, it's like Ezekiel 47, uh, you know, ankle deep. And we just, we just feel like we're ankle deep. You know, we just feel like the word's over here and we're here and it's, it's kind of coming together, but it's not there yet. I cannot wait for the day it gets there. Can I tell you what? I'm having dreams and visions of what God's going to do when it gets there. I mean, I'm literally seeing people, like one person getting healed in a grocery store and then all of a sudden like a crowd of people gather around. What happened? And, and just begin to preach Jesus in a grocery store. I mean, I, I want to preach them in the church still, but I have more ambi spiritual ambition to preach them now everywhere I go. And, and again, I'm not an evangelist. That's not my calling, but, 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 but I'm just, uh, just that's, it's, it's, you know what it's called? You know what the name for this is? a really good name for this. this, this life of like the alignment to the word of God, of being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized. No, it's called being a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> not a good name for it. And so, yeah. So stand with me, and let's let's ask Jesus to make us Christians. Uh, uh, a couple of things I feel like the Lord wants to do here, uh, just before we take a break. Uh, what time is it? Ten to three. Okay. In the next five minutes, we'll take five more minutes, or ten at the most, which means twenty in pastoral speech. <laughs>
We're going to do two things. If you need a fresh baptism of love, I want to pray for you first. Kelly, would you come join me? I want her to pray with me as well. You can use this mic. You can turn this mic on here. The, and I want my wife to join us in prayer. We're going to pray for you to receive a baptism of love. She's got a whole lot more than I have, so if you want an impartation of baptism of love, let's let Kelly pray over you. Secondly, um, I just uh, was praying for you last night, and I felt like there's some people here today that the Holy Spirit wants to heal in this room today. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you haven't already, subscribe today on your mobile device to get exclusive new content from Teen Challenge of Southern California. For more information, visit us on the web at teenchallenge.org.